0: At the time that this show is releasing, we're about a month into our sheltering at home. How is everything going with you? That is feels like the most loaded question I've ever asked. I know for our household, there are some really great, sweet moments that I'm so thankful for, like eating dinner together every single night. And there are some really rough moments too, like everyone dealing with being stuck at home for 30 days and missing their friends. I've been reminded of how Jesus was not tossed about by the waves of storms or overwhelmed by the chaos of the crowds as he walked about the cities. He knew where his home was, and he knew the Father was near. I am praying for you, sister, mama to little ones, mama to big kids, college girl, widow, single woman, grandmother, wife. I am praying for each of us women that we would be Jesus in the midst of the storm and the chaos around us, that God's peace and his sovereignty would be our strength and our comfort. Guys, I'd like to give you another scripture verse for this week, and we're going to give you a shareable that you can put on your screen for your phone, for your saver. So every time you pick up your phone, which is a million and one times a day, you can hopefully see this and be blessed by this. It's Psalm 121 verses one and two. It said, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I pray that that's a blessing for you. Check out my Instagram page at Jamie Ivy, And you can find that all of the shareables that we have, they're saved in my story. So you can find them there. Friends, on today's show, my new friend, Beth McCord, joined me. She came into my tiny house studio earlier this spring before we were all forced to stay home and do interviews via the internet. And I am so happy that we got to be together to capture this conversation for you guys. We talk a lot about the Enneagram because that's her thing. That's what she does. We talk about relationships. We talk about growth and our personal self-esteem and what life might look like after our kids have all moved out of the house because that's where she's living right now. Well, right now all her kids are home because we're quarantined. Beth is an encouraging and peaceful voice. Her voice is so peaceful that is leading the way in simplifying the deep truths of the Enneagram from a biblical perspective. Her mission is to make personal awareness and growth accessible for everyone, anywhere, so they can experience health and transformation in every area of their lives. I highly recommend you following her on Instagram. You can find her at your Enneagram coach. Follow her all the time, but especially right now in this difficult season, she is offering such wisdom about how we all walk through these uncomfortable circumstances different. And a lot of that has to do with our personalities, with the lenses that we see life through. Friends, this week we started our Bible study together called Your Story Matters. You can still join us. It is never too late. In fact, we're in the first week this week where we're uncovering the first lie that keeps us from sharing our story through the lens of the gospel. And the first lie is that my story doesn't matter. I'll be the first to admit that letting people into our most vulnerable places is very, very hard. Maybe the understatement of our lifetime. It's scary. It's so intimidating. You were automatically thinking, no way, Jamie. There are some things that I just can't say out loud. Letting people in is so very hard. I get it, you guys. I really get it. But... I think there's a better way i think there can and there should be a new way of thinking about our stories a way that takes the pressure off of all of us a way that says god will use my story for his glory and for his glory alone that is exactly why we made this six week small group video teaching series called your story matters in this study we're going to walk through six lies that i believe are hindering us in sharing our stories I want to highlight one of these lies and offer a reminder as we ask God to guide us into sharing our stories. The first lie, like I said, is my story doesn't matter. I hear this often, very often. And what I think women are truly saying is, what's the big deal with me? My story can't really change the world like you say. It can't really make a difference in the big schemes of life. What I have to say isn't really that important. And yet, I beg to differ, my friend, I believe 100%, and I'm not lying when I say this, that every person's story on the planet matters. And hear me say this, especially if you are a follower of Jesus. Here's what we need to remember, that if we are a follower of Jesus, if we are a Christian, that your primary identity is that you are a child of God, a beloved child of God. And that is the identity that really matters when sharing your story. Friends, there's still time to join me and join our community of other women in this study. Call your girlfriends, call your cousins, your sisters, your neighbors, and set up a time to join with one another to change the world. Visit JamieIvy.com and click on the Join Us Now for Your Story Matters button. You can do this with friends virtually, or you can do this alone in the privacy of your home. I'll be meeting every single week virtually online in a place that you can join us. I'd love to see you there. Okay, my friends, here is my conversation with Beth McCord. Beth, welcome to the happy hour. Yeah. I almost said, Beth, welcome to your Enneagram coach.
1: Hey, (laughs) welcome to your Enneagram coach, Jamie.
0: (laughs) You are the your Enneagram coach. (laughs) Yes. Okay, introduce yourself and then we're going to jump in. Tell me where you live. We're going to get into what you do, but tell me about your family.
1: Yeah, so uh, Beth McCord, married to Jeff McCord. This will be 25 years in May. We live outside of Nashville, Tennessee. We have two kids, both in college, so we are empty nesters. And, and you and like different. it. I do. Well, we're 45, and so we had our kids when we were 23 <sighs> and 25. This is going to be my life. So it's like, we're just having a great time, right? So yeah, no, we love it, and we have a great relationship with our kids. And yeah, so I'm your Enneagram coach, and we've been doing this as a profession uh, since 2016, but we have been using the Enneagram or were introduced to it way back in 2001 when Jeff was in seminary. Wow. Where in seminary? Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Yep. So yeah, it was a long time ago.
0: That is a long time ago. So Before it was a big thing. Before it was a big thing. First of all, before we get to Enneagram, I want to talk about empty nesting. Uh, when you just said your ages, I had my oldest at 25 Yep. and my youngest was... Sh- I don't know how old I was. Twenty nine. Yeah. Because I didn't birth her. So I had all my kids before I was thirty, which there's pros and cons. Yep. Because you are living the pro of what I'm going to experience. Yes. Is that Aaron and I, before we're fifty, are gonna have a house empty.
1: Yeah. Time to yourself.
0: Time to ourselves. Which um I won't say what we said to each other, but the other day we made a bet. It wasn't a bet, it was a, a deal. Yeah. Of what was gonna happen in our house when our last kid left for college. Yeah. And let me just tell you the sparks will be kept alive. Yes because teenagers (laughs) make things difficult in your house sometimes with the romance area. And when all these kids are gone, Aaron and I are going to be like 20 year old kids again. And it just, you can't even believe what's going to happen in Ivy household.
1: So we were just talking about this because our daughter who does still live at home, but Mm -hmm. she's, you know, in college, she's going to be moving out this summer. And our son was like, what are you guys going to do? And I'm like, don't worry. We'll, we'll be, we're gonna fine. be totally fine. Like we knew each other and had fun before y'all were born. <laughs> I'm sure we can figure this out now that you guys are gone. Exactly. So it's just funny because like that's all they know is yeah. us and them, right? Our mom and dad. Yeah. They don't know you
0: without being there all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, but the sad part of it is, my oldest is a sophomore, and I, if we spent too much time talking about this, I would start crying because I cannot imagine. Yep. Sending the kid away.
1: But here's the thing, and this is what's so cool about God, is that he does it in the right timing. Because it's kind of like when you first get pregnant, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready. I don't know what this is going to be like. And then nine months come and you're like, get this kid out, you know? And so... When it's time, you will feel the nest is too small and he needs to fly away. And you will enjoy when he comes back. And you will also enjoy (laughs) when
0: he goes to school or whatever it is he's going to do. Everyone that has launched a kid has told me that exact same thing. Yeah. They said, you just, you're ready. Yeah. It's like a natural progression in life. So now you
1: get to enjoy him at home. I know. And then eventually you'll enjoy him as he is when he's away. Oh, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Okay. So you are the, your
0: Enneagram coach. I am. I mean, my first question is the Enneagram. This yes. is, we talked about this just for a few seconds before we started recording. It is this, what could seem like a fad right now. Yeah, absolutely. But you've been involved in and learning about the Enneagram since you said 2001. Yeah. Which, I don't know how long ago that was, because that's when I got married. Yeah. And so, that's a long time. It is. I had never heard about the Enneagram until the last three years. Yes, absolutely. So, and what went on with you between 2001 and
1: 2017? Like Where was
0: I? Well, I mean, just like for us that are new to the Enneagram, we think it just showed up, which is not true of anything. And in fact, the Enneagram's been around for thousands of years. Am I correct?
1: Well, there's debate out there about kind of like when it started and, you know, who kind of put together, especially in the modern form. So that's its own mystery. Um, But uh, for us, we were really stuck in our marriage. We were, when we were dating, we were like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like we're going to be the ideal couple because we love each other. We love the Lord. And then we got married. And got married at 20. That's babies. You're babies. I I'm Can like, you imagine your daughter getting married? No. Yeah. Like she's 19. He's 21. I'm like, what? You yeah. know. And so what we usually say is if you've been married any longer than a honeymoon, you'll understand. Like every time people get married, it's just like, what just happened? Yeah. Like I thought we understood each other. And so what felt like ballroom dancing becomes like twister and mm-hmm. you're stumbling over each other. And so by the time we had our two kids and we were in seminary, I just felt like I needed help. We needed help, and we needed some kind of instruction manual. And we had good friends that were introduced to the Enneagram by their counselor, and so then they passed it on to us. I started reading about it and devoured it. Jeff looked at it, and he thought it was pretty interesting, but – he, was, you know, he had other things to do, mm-hmm. and so I devoured it. But I'm a type 9, and type 9s like to hide in the background and be quiet, not to assert themselves. So I did that for years until Jeff was like, I can really see that you're growing. This has been really helping us. You're communicating more clearly about what's going on. So then he started utilizing it. Then we started using it with people in our church as we were discipling and letting others know how this was helping us understand the gospel better. And we saw them transform, and it just kind of snowballed from there. But... There would be seasons where I'd get really into it and help people, and then something might come up, and I would hide again. Like you know, something just personal in your life? or Personal, or maybe someone was not sure about the Enneagram, yeah. you know, because I don't want conflict, as a uh-huh. I? So then I would just hide, you know. Then I'd come back out, and I'd learn about it again. And it was about 2015 in the fall, I felt very overlooked. At this time, I, at this stage of life, I really understood the Enneagram, and I was looking to become an Enneagram coach. Didn't really have a lot of direction on that. There really wasn't much of that out there, but I knew what I wanted. And a person overlooked me significantly that could have kind of launched me into this mm-hmm. sphere. And I remember getting up and just being like, I saw this post and they were like, oh, so and so recommended this book. And I'm like, I'm with you every day. Like you could have asked me any question and I would have been happy to yeah. share stuff with you. So I stood up I walked out of the house, I passed Jeff on the way. And he was like, Whoa. What's happening? I go, Look at the post. So I grabbed my keys and nines. We want to keep everything steady. Well, when our emotions are big like that, it's so uncomfortable. So I got out. I went to the car, started driving because I knew I had to let this energy out. So I was screaming for probably ten minutes in, in your car, car while in you're in my driving. car, which is so not like uh-huh. me. But I knew I, as nines, we have a lot of energy and pent up you know, anger passion passion has been buried for so long. And I was screaming. And all the way back, I felt like God was saying, why are you so angry? And I'm like, are you serious? Uh-huh. Do you not just see what just happened? And I kind of have that attitude. Like, do I have to explain this? And he was really patient. And he just said again, no, really, why are you so angry? And it was clear as day. I'm angry because I overlooked myself. And what I realized is what I permit, I promote. And others are going to overlook me because I don't take myself seriously. I don't think my presence matters. And so that was my choice. Am I going to see myself for who I am and the worth that I have in Christ and show up in life? Or am I just going to keep hiding? And that was the turning moment. So that was uh, January of 2016 when we launched your Enneagram Coach. And then the fall of 2016 is when The Road Back to You came out. And that's that's when, when everything lit. everyone so I was already kind of out there on the waves, you mm-hmm. know, surfing, and then all of a sudden the tsunami came, and yeah. it's like I was already out there yeah. ready to go, yeah. It's already had my certification, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And the Lord, we just decided to really niche our focus in a gospel-centered approach to the Enneagram. And then last year, we came out with 10 books. One that you're holding is on marriage and using the Enneagram through a gospel-centered perspective, and then nine gift book journals where people can take a 21-day journey through their type.
0: Which is brilliant. I have been wanting to have you face-to-face to to tell you that is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Because although I don't have one, I have thought... thousand times if I need to get one for my husband and I because correct me if I'm wrong the point is I would go through my six journal he would go through his three journal answer the same questions and come back and talk about them yep
1: brilliant I'm telling you it is so brilliant so every day you and him would read some of the same common content and then there's also type specific content So you would be talking about your wings and like you would learn what wings are in general. And then you would learn specifically what your wings are. And I'm sure people out there are like, what are wings? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You have to go get the book to learn. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, yeah. So and you can do it in small groups, Bible studies. I want to do it with Erin and
0: I. I make a mental note every day to get some. And so I love it. I think it is a great tool in marriage. Yeah, The Enneagram is. And so. Absolutely. Ten books last year. I know. Way to go, guys.
1: Yeah, it was it was a year. It was a year. (laughs) It was a year. You're not doing anything like little anymore, are you? No. no. Well, and actually we also developed 45 courses, one for each couple type last year as well, eight modules each. So, yes, it was quite the year. It's because you got this empty nester house. you got all this time. You're like, what are we going to do? time, yes. (laughs) It's absolutely
0: true. But, yeah. I love it. Okay, so my next question is, you know, I think – I told you, and I've said I talk at the Enneagram a lot on the show because I found it to be super helpful in my understanding my own self and yeah. within my marriage with my husband. But there is this tendency for people to say, "Is this just a fad? Right. Like, right. are we done talking about this yet? Yeah. We're going to go on to the next thing. It used to be lions and otters and
1: yes. whatever, and now this, and what's next? Yeah. Tell me your thoughts on this. I think it's a both. I think yes, there are parts of it that is a fad in the sense you know, the party games, um, making fun of people, all the jokes. But those that really want to transform and grow and have deep, substantial relationship with others, they're going to keep using it. But it's not going to be this every conversation. Because Jeff and I don't talk about it in every conversation we have. But when you're first into it, it's exciting. It's like, oh, my gosh, how can it be so real and true? So I think the hype will settle, just like anything else in this you know world. But I think those that see the value – We'll keep using it. I mean, we've been using it for now almost twenty years, yeah, and we still use it every day in our conversations. Like even flying here, there are certain things that we had to clarify, like hey, this is how I'm feeling, or this is what between really the going two on. of y'all. Oh yeah, like every day, it's like hey, I know that you. This would land on you this way. I want to say this, but I want to clarify before I say it that that's not my intention. Yeah. Because we see the world from different what perspectives. healthy um, conversations, yeah. Yeah. Okay, before we jump in, because
0: I feel like we have done a disservice to somebody, is what is the Enneagram? Yeah.
1: The Enneagram is basically a map for personal growth. And when you look at the symbol, there are nine, it's basically a nine-pointed star. And each of the nine points represents nine valid perspectives of seeing the world, interpreting it, and then reacting to it. So- you're a type six and I'm a type nine. It's as if you're wearing orange glasses and I'm wearing purple glasses. We think we're seeing the world through the same lenses, but now it's like, Oh wait, you're totally seeing it from a different perspective. That's why you think this way. That's why you behave. And so the Enneagram is showing you why you think, feel and behave in particular ways. And that's what's so different between this and the otter stuff and, and, in the finders and the Myers-Briggs is that shows you your preferences or what you do. This is showing you why you do what you do. And it's so powerful, especially if you're wanting to know your heart condition, which in our Christian faith, that's so important. Am I aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel? And the Enneagram is going to show you so that hopefully you will stay on your healthiest destination, your healthiest path, but often we veer off course. But it's still going to show you what that's like. And so instead of having self-condemnation, fear, and shame when we veer off course we can use it as a warning system like a rumble strip on the highway like oh wait if I keep thinking this way if I keep feeling this way this is what's going to happen and I have the choice to recalibrate and recalculate and get back on path or I can land in that Mm -hmm. ditch and I know what's going to happen and so it's really this amazing system to help us to know which path we're really on and how to grow I love it and I, I when I think about you guys there's a lot of people out
0: teaching the Enneagram and talking about it publicly one thing that stands apart with you and your husband and the ministry that you guys do, is making it so gospel-centered. Absolutely. So my question for you is, when it was first introduced to you, did you see it so gospel-centered, or is that something that you have kind of worked through in the past 20 years? We really had to work through it. Yeah. Um,
1: I would say 96% of the materials that were out there in 2001 were um, had nothing to do with Christianity mm-hmm. um, and really any teacher, whatever worldview they have that's how they're going to teach it, yeah, so if they're a mystic, new age, you know you name it that's how they're going to bring it. We started learning it while Jeff was in seminary, four years of biblical training, and so once we got a hold of it, it was always well, how do we see this through the lens of the gospel because if it couldn't fit we don't want it, yeah, but we really saw how this was Basically, it's an x-ray, right? An x-ray reveals what's not broken, but also what is broken. But the x-ray can't heal you. But it's very, I mean, it's very clear, right? And the gospel is what heals us. The gospel is what transforms us. So a lot of people like, you know, they hear everyone else talking about the Enneagram and making it a big deal. It is an amazing tool, but it's the gospel that transforms us. And so if we don't bring the gospel in the forefront, what's the point of this? It's so good. I because really, path. actually, I'll be honest, the Enneagram is like a non-judgmental friend, and it is going to tell you exactly why you do what you do in your healthiest and your most unhealthy. It's super exposing. And it can be very shame-based if you don't use it correctly. But if we now know that our identity is in Christ, and he, through his life, death, and resurrection, has given us all things, his righteousness, the freedom, well, if we know that now, it's not that we sit back and go, oh, I don't have to do any work. It's now I get to surrender and depend on him. I get to rest in who I am and whose I am, and that is what transforms me. But if I don't recognize what I'm doing, how I'm hurting Jeff or the kids or other people, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, whereas I really want deep relationships. And so by understanding, oh, as a nine, I avoid conflict, which actually creates conflict, right? Now I need to learn how to step into conflict in a way that's honoring to God and a blessing to others, which I still hate. But I know it's but good. you're learning. Yeah, I'm learning. that's yeah. it's good. You know what? I find it so interesting, and you have to tell me if you have seen this.
0: I have heard from non-Christian friends go, what's the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. So it's surprising to me that you have such a gospel-centered view on it,
1: but yet I mostly hear about the Enneagram within Christian circles. Yeah. I think it's because when The Road Back to You came out, most of the material out there, like I said, was not Christian, and this was so opposite. yeah. And so I would say a lot okay. of Christians were like, "Oh, I don't know what this is." Yeah, they, they didn't really want to pick it up and really dive into it because you know when you've got a husband who has a four-year degree in theological training, I can go, "Hey, how would we view this from a Christian perspective?" Yeah. And then he would go, "Oh, well, da 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 da." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's great." Yeah. And so I was able to move forward instead of being so panicked by other people's language. We just brought in a gospel-centered language and made it true to how scripture shows us that we are. So yeah, a lot of people are going to be not really know how to use this in this way. But when they wrote back to you, they kind of brought it, niched it into the kind of Christian sphere. And we just decided to really niche it in for those that really wanted to hear how to use it from a very biblical-based concept. Yeah. Well, I love it. Okay,
0: so I don't want to make this into a Jamie Ivy counseling session. Oh, but we do. Oh, but we do. <laughs> so since I've talked about Instagram on here, yeah. if you've listened to the show often, you know I'm a six. Yes, my husband's a three. You guys getting things done? You know what? I wanted to be a three forever. Oh, you did. I tested when well, you know, which I, you can give us your opinion, but I've always heard that the tests aren't actually the most valid way to figure out sure. your number. You agree?
1: Yes, we have one that I think is actually really valid, but we always say let that be a guiding post. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I tested as a two. Yes, that makes sense. Which I, I hear yes. a lot of Southern Christian
0: women will. Yes, absolutely. I am the furthest from a two. <laughs> so that, I think that's funny. Uh, but I wanted to be a three so bad. Interesting. I wanted to be a three because I thought, I have a lot of threes in my life, Yeah. and I know that threes get things done. They do. And I think from the outside, people would think that I might be a three. Mm-hmm. Built this thing by myself, yep. do this, get things done, all that kind of stuff. Yep. But you know... It's not just what it
1: looks like on the outside. It's, not. it's what the heart looks like. It is. And, and when people are typing, they'll want to type others. Well, you're only looking on the outside. Exactly. The Enneagram is everything about why you do what you do. You don't know why others do what they do. Here's, a, here's an example. So we're in your beautiful little studio here. And let's say you want your studio to be perfectly clean, which it actually really is cute. Oh, gosh. I love it. But all nine types will want it clean for different reasons. The one, because it's the right thing to do. Two, because it's going to be this warm hug, this little uh, tiny house studio. Um, the three, will they want to show off. They want what are you going to think about their image if it's a mess. The fours are going to want to have their aesthetics and their design out to show you them in a unique way. The fives are going to want it clean because they want to get to their resources really quickly whenever they need it. The sixes are going to want it clean because one, it's dutiful, it's responsible, Um, it shows that they're hardworking, but also they don't want someone to trip over something. You know, what, what if something could happen? The sevens want it clean because they want to be able to move on to the next thing. The eights, they're not going to let their space control them. They're going to control it. And then me as a nine, I just want to clean because I just want to chill and relax, you know, so we can all do the exact same thing but for very different reasons. it's so good. And that's why you can't look at someone like you who's getting things done, or me who's getting things done, and go, oh, well, they've got to be a three. No, I am not a three. I am such a nine. I know I have a heart, you know, strong eight wing, but I'm not a three. And so the reasons why I get things done is very different than what a three would.
0: So can I ask you this? Because as a nine, um, and from the small knowledge that I have, it would tell me that it might be untypical
1: for a nine to be doing what you're doing. It's very untypical. Okay. Here's the thing. A lot of our presidents, we assume because we don't know their heart, right? We assume we're actually nines. And so really. Yeah. And so no, again, we can't take yeah, yeah, them. For sure. Yeah. But nines can be the most active on the Enneagram. The thing about nines is the internal struggle is sloth, but it's an internal sloth and not knowing what they want. But if they do become you know, awaken to their passion and their calling, you better get out of the way. They go hard after yeah. it. So I kind of talk about how lions are like elephants. Like we're yeah. like kind of like lackadaisical and cozy with our friends in the mud puddle. But if there's lions around, you better darn well get out of the way because so the yeah. elephants are like the king of the jungle. Yeah. And so what I see of myself for the last couple of years when I had that wake up moment of I overlook myself I just feel like that energy and that passion, that drive. Like I see what's ahead of me. I see the people that need this tool from a gospel center perspective, and I've just been charging forward and single focused. So nines can actually be some of the most active if they're awakened to their calling and their passion. But that's the key. We hide. So so that's the struggle. But that's the work we have to do. So every day, I literally have to like kind of internally get behind myself and push, and say go ahead and get up and go. This is important. The work you're doing is important. But everything in me as a nine says, can we please just chill out? Can we just relax? No. Yes. Obviously. Which
0: you—it's it's surprising.
1: Releasing 10 books last year, right. 85 study. Like, Yeah. And so I knew that was a special season of life. And so I just stayed focused, kept my head down and went for it. And then this year we've had more balance. And actually balance is hard for a nine because either we're not doing anything really, or we're totally going for it's it. It's hard to find Usually, the middle. It's hard to find the middle. So this year is all about how do I have that middle? So the enneagram is really showing you your strengths, your weaknesses, but then how to bring it in a healthy perspective. How has God designed you to reflect Him in your healthy attributes? How yeah. do, how are you to be more like Christ in the way He designed you? So it's not how can I be like Jamie? Ivey? Mm-hmm. It's how has God created me in the way he designed me to be more like him. Does that make sense? makes perfect
0: sense to me. And I think it's one of the beautiful things about the Enneagram is that when we look at it as not, here's all your 15 bad qualities. Yes. But we look at it and go, this is how God made me. How do I live the fullest that he created me to be with who I am? Yes. And there's not... It's not like all the threes are awesome and all the nines are lazy and all the fours are crazy and all the, you know, you you can't say that because then that would be categorizing and making people feel less than and bring shame.
1: Exactly. And that's not what it's for. Well, here's the thing the gospel through Jesus Christ with his life, death, and resurrection has completed all things, he has achieved all things. Now, we still on this side of heaven are going to struggle. And the integrum is going to tell you exactly what it's going to be like when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also is going to show you the path to your own growth. And we have a choice to surrender and depend on the Holy Spirit to come in and work in and through us in moving the healthiest path. But part of that is us by walking in faith, right? It's not us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's us doing it in our own strength. But it's like, I'm going to walk by faith because I see as a nine, I need to keep moving, I need to keep searching. I need to keep expressing myself. I don't want to fall asleep to myself. That is not the healthy pattern for the nine. It's tempting. It's your tendency, yeah. right? It's my tendency. It's yeah. tempting. It feels cozy. It feels comfortable. Uh-huh. But it's not life-giving. And so I have to press into what's hard. And every type has to do that. Growth for every type is hard. Um, and so what feels easy is actually not going to be the best path. But, man, every type of their healthiest is so amazing. So amazing. And – I love being with all the types. And people say, oh, but I found I'm this type and I don't want to be that type. Every type does that because usually what happens is when we find our type, we're kind of seeing the not so great aspects and it's like, oh, I know that's true, you know. But that's where shame and self-condemnation come in. But our mission statement, your Enneagram Coach, is for people to see themselves with astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. So it's not about the Enneagram. The Enneagram is like the x ray. It just reveals what's tool, going on. Yeah. The whole point is for you to rest in your identity in Christ and be free.
0: So, I imagine with the coaching that you do, is that you see a lot of light bulbs go, off. oh my
1: gosh, it's is the it your favorite? Best thing ever. I love coaching. I don't get to do it as much as I used to. I train uh, certified coaches. So, we have our own training program. Yeah. Um, but every time that's why I'm like, yes, let's coach you <laughs> because people are like, Oh my goodness. And it's not these aha moments just about themselves. It's when we connect it with the gospel mm. and they see that they're actually already free. So it's kind of like if you and I were to be like, Oh man, if we could just be in Jamie's studio, we would have it made. Yeah. And it, everyone would be like, you are, there. you're there. Yeah, And once we wake up to, we're actually where we've always wanted to be meaning in Christ And we have all the blessings that Christ has, then we can totally move in directions we never thought possible. We have lightheartedness and freedom. We can apologize. We can own up to stuff. And we're going to live from a totally different perspective. But so often, we don't even realize that we have what we've always longed for. So we
0: got to start at that that starting Mm -hmm. point of you are complete in Christ. Yes, yes. And from there is where you can grow. And
1: what we do with Your Enneagram Coach and in our books and in our materials, we talk about finding your main type. You want to find the type that has your core motivations And the core motivations is the core fear, which you're always running away from. The core desire, oh, if I just had that, life would be perfect. We have a core weakness, which is also called the passion or deadly sin by other teachers. And I call it the core weakness because we are weak, but he is strong and his grace is sufficient for us. Mm -hmm. But then the biggest one is our core longing. This is the message our heart has always longed to hear. We try to get that from our spouse, our kids, our careers, you name it, other places. And it's like in Jeremiah 2.13, which says, we have forsaken God, the spring of living water, and we have dug cisterns, cisterns that don't hold water because they're broken. So what if you just kind of to your left is a spring of living water and to your right is a cistern. A cistern is like a well, but you actually have to put water in it. So here's my cistern. I As a nine, I long to hear my presence matters. That's my longing. Well, I look to Jeff and I look to the kids, fill this, fill this. And they might bring a bottled water. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. And then five seconds later, it's It's gone because it's broken. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wait, what? That's it? That's all you're going to give me? And so I demand more and more. And they could bring a a hose. Mm -hmm. And that's still not going to work, right? But if I recognize, oh, right here is the spring of living water. My presence matters to Christ. He satisfies my core longing because he left his throne to live a brutal life, to die and to rise again, all to bring me back in right relationship with him. If you can tell me a better way of showing someone their presence matters, I would love to hear it yeah. because that is beautiful. And so I have to rest in that. When I drink from that spring, then I'm satisfied. So then when Jeff brings me, let's say, a quote unquote bottled water yeah. and he says my presence matters, I'm already satiated. I'm right. like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I actually can receive that Mm -hmm. now and feel it instead of demanding it from him. And that's what we're trying to show through the Enneagram is what you long for, you actually already have in Christ. Mm,
0: That's so good. You know, I told you that I wanted to be a three. Yeah. uh, Because I just felt like threes are awesome, right? Or they think they are, at least, right? (laughs) I wanted to be a three. What is Jeff, by the way? He's a six. Six, okay. I wanted to be a three. Landed pretty, I'm pretty secure in my sixness. But then I guess last year I had kind of this crisis of, I think I'm a nine and yeah. i was like i think i'm a 9 yeah people around me have assured me that i am a 6 and the reason that i also really believe i'm a 6 is cuz i just read while you're talking yes. the core longing and i got a lump in my throat and i almost started crying yeah and what is it my core longing is a 6 is 6 is to know that i'm safe and secure yeah and um look i could cry now i, I mean, cuz that's it it really is like that's what i want is i want to know that you're going to be here tomorrow, yeah. and that I'm safe here, and that I'm this this whole life I have that there's security in it.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing: I bet you demonstrate that to everyone around you that you're there for them, that you have loyalty, you're committed, you're hardworking. You're showing the very thing that you long for, and in though I'm sure people around you show it a little bit, and they probably try to show it a lot. It's still a cistern. But Christ is that spring for you. Like, you are safe and secure in him. And we don't know. I mean, we were just on a cruise ship and (laughs) during this coronavirus stuff. And we're like, are we going to Uh be quarantined or not? And we don't know from day to day what's going to happen. But we ultimately know our security is in Christ, and he has completed everything. And so the fact that you can rest in that security in Christ allows your heart to rest. It allows the inner committee of the six to go, Okay, I know it's always gonna be there, but the Holy Spirit is gonna speak directly to my true self with assurance and clarity. And I can rest in that. And that allows the six to breathe and then move towards people instead of demanding others show the loyalty and the commitment, the security that they think they must get from them. Mm. Now they can give it freely. Yeah. You mean to tell you how I think the gospel has helped me? Yes.
0: So I a lot of sixes, and if I say anything wrong, please feel free to jump yes. in and correct me a lot of sixes we kind of live in a little bit of a worst case scenario type of Mm -hmm. world. And I'm like that. I mean, I tell Aaron, my husband all the time, if you knew the thoughts I had on a daily basis, because I say them out loud to him sometimes. And one thing that we have grown in our marriage is he used to say, that's really dumb, Jamie. That's stupid that you're thinking that. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you think that. And I would feel like, but I do think, I mean, you yes. feel almost shameful. And yeah. so the Enneagram has taught us that he now will say, that must be really scary. Yes. That must be really hard. Yes. And I go, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's all you needed. It's <laughs> yes. all I needed. So we've learned. We've grown. Yes. But I will say that I've seen growth in the last couple of years of my life of, I will think a worst case scenario. I'll give you an example. Um, one that I've struggled with a lot would be that Aaron will leave me. Yeah. My husband. Yeah. Worst case scenario. Oh my gosh. Like, I just, I don't know how I would live, blah, 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 blah. I used to get stuck there. Yep. I used to get stuck, and I would just, oh, it would be so hard. I would ask him, please tell me you're never going to, blah, blah, blah. It would just plague me, and I, and I can find myself getting back in those pits sometimes. But here's where things have changed for me, mm-hmm. and you can tell me. I think it's the gospel. Yeah. Is I take that scenario all the way to the end. Yep. Let's say Aaron leaves me. Let's say he dies of cancer. Let's say my kid's bus drives in a creek today, and they all die. Like, let's say the worst thing I could ever imagine, the things I think about. Yep. Let's say they happened. God still loves me. Yep. God's still here. He still has a plan for my life. He hasn't left me. And so I take it all the way to the end. I think that. And then you know what happens, Beth? Mm-hmm. I move on. Yeah. And I didn't used to do that. Yeah. Is that, that the gospel you know, in me?
1: Totally. And it shows growth, too.
0: Right. That's how I feel. I'm, I just want to pat myself on the back yeah. all the time when I do that because I take it all the way. Yeah. Whereas Aaron would never take it to the end. Well,
1: he's th- never imagined our kids in a bus going into a creek. Right, right. And I might have that thought once a week. But here's the thing, so we have all the types come to us and they have different sayings. The ones will usually come to us and say, "Beth, I'm a 1, but I've got to tell you, I think I'm a really unhealthy 1." Well, of course you think you're unhealthy because you have an inner critic that <laughs> is telling you all the things you're doing wrong. Right. So of course you think that. It's not necessarily true, mm-hmm. but of course 6s come to us and say, "Beth, I'm a 6, but I think I think I'm crazy." Mm. They all say that. And I'm like, well, of course you think that. You have an inner committee that is chiming in from all different directions, you know, heaping on to you all the worst-case scenarios or the possibilities that could happen. But they're coming from different angles. So Jeff has said he had an epiphany of what it was like. He said it's like when you're watching the parliament in England mm-hmm. and the prime minister gets up and says, okay, we're all going to do this or whatever. And they all start chiming in and yelling and booing and hissing and talking that's what it feels like as a six. So he might think, okay, we're going to go do this in the business. All of a sudden, his intercommittee from different directions, well, did you think about this? Well, what about that? But well, this could happen. But over there could happen. Well, we should go this way. No, that way. And all of a sudden, that's why sixes can feel the chaos and confusion, and they think they're crazy. And I'm like, you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. And even when a six is at their healthiest, that's still going to happen. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have the tools and the resources to know what's happening and how to bring that back to the Holy Spirit, like you were just saying. Like, okay, I can see it play out, but I still feel at rest and secure in Christ. And so I don't want sixes to think, okay, well, if I get healthier, I'm not going to have this intercommittee dialogue. No, that that's part of being a six when you're healthy. And then when you're unhealthy, when it's unhealthy is when it's literally consuming you and you're living it out as if it's true. Yeah. And so there's all these different tools and resources that we have kind of developed, but absolutely when you can come back to that spring of living waters of a type six and say, I am safe and secure in him. We are safe and secure. That's so important. Yeah. And actually the epiphany that Jeff and I had as a couple goes back to exactly what you were saying. So we would have our, we call it the dance, and when people come to our Becoming Us live event, they'll see that we'll talk about the dance, and it's this infinity loop of why we do what we do together as a couple. And whenever he gets intense or passionate or strong or upset, I tend to shut down as a nine. I want to avoid conflict and tension. Well, as soon as I start to shut down or I physically leave because I can't handle it, that communicates to him I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. And to him, it feels like it's the beginning of the end. He has done something so horrid that I'm going to leave him. And so one day he finally asked me in a very vulnerable moment when I was weeping in bed because, you know, the tension was too much. Mm -hmm. He's like, are you going to leave me? And I was like, no, stupid. I never leave you. Like, like as a nine, I had been merging with him, trying to accommodate and please and make him happy the whole, my whole life. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how could you ask such a question? Like that is the furthest thing. Now, I normally don't speak like that, but it was actually good because it woke him up like, oh, I bring a false reality to our relationship that's not even true. Yeah. So it really freed him up to go, oh, what I was seeing in her withdrawal was, I saw it as like she was leaving me. And she just needed some space. Yep. Now, I've had to learn because I still need some time to process. I'm not a fast thinker. I need to kind of calm down. So I need to say to him, hey, I need some space. I'm still for us, but I need 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe five hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I need some space. I'm going to come back. I just need you to let me have some Then sp- And yeah. that communicates to him, like, I'm really for us, but I just need this. Yeah. And so what would that be like for you if you kind of had that kind of conversation with um,
0: Aaron? Yeah great. It would be good. But I mean, and I think through that, and that's one of the reasons I love the Enneagram with our marriage so much is it helps you go in the example you just gave. It also helps you go, well, this is not how they process. Right. And so instead of fearing like, you know, if Aaron gets really upset with me or if Aaron's even like busy for the love. Yeah. Right. And like, he's not going to withdraw. He's not a nine. No, he's just gonna be busy and focused and he works hard. And So there are seasons where he gets really busy and then I start to think, Well, this is the end. It's been a good run, right? Right. Literally. And And if I say that out loud to him, he's like, "That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life." I'm just working. Yes. I'm like, okay. I thought you were leaving me.
1: You know, like that's. I'll go all the way to the worst. Yeah. And this is where the enneagram can be so powerful for relationships because it's like. Let's not, in our first chapter is called Assumicide. Let's not commit a suicide where we assume incorrectly other people's thoughts, feelings, and motives. So and you can th- do that for years. Years. I mean, one of the people that helped us write the book, they were married 44 years. And they were like, oh, if we could have just learned this. Right. You know, 40 years ago. Uh-huh. But it just brings that clarity. Oh, you see the world through orange lenses. I see the world through purple. He sees it through green, et cetera, et cetera. Let me take off my lens for a second before I commit a suicide and hurt the relationship. Let me put your lens on or let me ask clarifying questions to hear it from your viewpoint. Or like what I did with Jeff is give clarifying statements. Here's how I feel. This is what's going on for me. I know that leaving could land on you as withdrawal or I'm going to leave you. That's not what's happening yeah. in my heart. Uh-huh. And so giving those clarifying statements or asking clarifying questions is huge yeah. so we don't commit a suicide and right. hurt one another. Yeah. I, we recently, Aaron and I just
0: had, and I'm glad we're, we're talking open, like, hey, happy marriages sometimes fight. Like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I think if you don't, there might be a problem. Yes.
1: That's uh, called flatline, like any yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we recently had, you know, a a discussion, Yes, maybe a fight, and I was pretty honest mm-hmm. about something that was really hard and yeah. kind of hurting me. And he it was really hard for him to hear, yeah. and he didn't like it. Yeah, but it took some time. And then he came back. and He was like, "I can see where you are coming from." Yes, and I felt that was so healthy. Even though his first reaction wasn't like, "Oh, I can see where you're coming from." We got there. Yes, you know, and I think that came from just using language that was saying, "This is how. This is how I'm seeing this. This yes. is how I'm feeling this." Yeah. and even though he was like, "That's not how it is at all," right. he was able to see where I was coming from.
1: Yeah, does that make sense? Oh, totally. So we'll usually say. What Jeff and I were hoping is that people will come along side by side. Usually what we're doing is we're kind of fighting, you know, front to front, right, Mm -hmm. at each other. But if you can come side by side and kind of say, hey, this situation out here in front of us, this is how I experienced it. This is how it landed on me before I committed suicide and, and blame you for something that may not be true. This is what happened. How were you trying to communicate or what were you trying to communicate or where am I missing you in this moment so it puts it outside of us versus at each other mm-hmm. does that make sense Makes total sense yeah and so and a lot of times i'll say hey as a nine i saw it from this perspective or it landed on me this way but as a sex i'm sure you meant it in a different way can you clarify yeah um and that doesn't mean like it's gonna be all perfect and we're peachy keen and like there's no problems. No, I mean there, he might still have a minute in a way that still lands on me wrong. Yeah. But then we can at least talk about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we're talking a lot about this in a marriage relationship, which yes. is great. And that's, would you say this book is? Yeah, it's gospel-centered marriage. Yeah. But we can it's use a it relationship for book. sure. For yeah. sure. But in the marriage yeah. um, aspect about this. What would you say to someone who they're listening and maybe they have been living under a rock and they never heard of the Enneagram? Right. But they're in a we'll we'll use marriage for this conversation right here. Yeah. Although this is helpful in every part of your relationship. Okay. And I want to ask you about another relationship in a minute. Yeah. But for a marriage relationship, if someone's going, me and my husband or uh, me and my wife, we're missing each other. Yes. Like we are just, it's like we cannot connect um spiritually, emotionally, verbally, physically, even like, oh, we just missing each other what would you say to them as a part of like a first step for starting to understand each other. Would you say to start to understand yourself first? Yes,
1: absolutely. Okay. Because here's the thing. You can, I mean, our book is going to show you exactly, you know, once your spouse finds their type, mm-hmm. it's going to be in the back of the book. There's what we call the road, Enneagram roadmap. And there are six pages on understanding me and two pages on understanding them. It's going kind to of bullet points really showing you what activates, you know, your spouse and what, how to affirm them, how to love them, how they communicate all those things. But you have to know where you 're starting from right, because I would be I, I get so defensive when Jeff thinks i 'm going to leave him well i didn 't even know that i my withdrawal was that significant. I thought everyone needs a break, everyone needs this time, so for me to understand why I need that um, as a nine that my core fear is conflict and tension and discord, and that i lo- or I desire peace and harmony. Now it makes sense. Now, that doesn't mean I have to get it, right, at mm-hmm. all cost. I can voice that and move towards him, but I have to know myself first in order to move towards the other. Now, this isn't like navel-gazing and know yourself. This is simply how do I have words to communicate what's going on in my heart to bring clarity, but also to be flexible and to merge, to move towards our spouse, our kids, our friends, our coworkers. Because it's not about getting what I want. It's about surrendering ourselves, yeah, right? Yeah. And being selfless at the same time, being true to how God designed us. So right. it's a both and. Yeah. But we can't, because really, I think what people are trying to do is they're trying to change their spouse. Uh huh. They're trying to change their kids. Yeah. You can't change anyone. Right. You can change yourself. And so here's the thing Jeff now knows that my heart is that I'm not going to just leave him. But anytime I start to shut down or withdraw, those same feelings are still going to come up. That's his personality hardwiring. He has a choice to make. Does he trust the spirit, the spirits with him and for him? And he doesn't have to react, but he can proactively move towards me or is he going to react. You know, so we have these choices, but he has to do his work, I have to do my work. If we do our work separately and then come together, oh man, it's dynamic. So what you're saying is that core feeling and that core thing of I still might feel this way when you do that. Oh yeah. It's going to oh, it's totally going to pop up. Like, but it's what we do with it. It's what we do with yeah. it. Yeah. Cuz I cannot stand any kind of tension. And when I say that, everyone laughs because, like, we can be at dinner and my husband and my daughter, they can kind of spar Mm -hmm. and they just, they're loving it. And then they're, and I'm like, oh my goodness, people, can you please stop? And they're like, what? We're having a great conversation. Uh And I'm thinking, you're feeling the tension. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is not fun. Yeah. But that's where two things can happen. Either I need to realize, okay, is this really, like, is it fine? And if it is fine, it's like, okay, that's mine to own. Like maybe I need to get up and walk away for a while. Maybe I just need to sit here. Um, But then sometimes I can say, Hey guys, I'm really having a hard day. And this kind of tension, I can see you're all fine. You say you're fine, but I'm just having a hard day. Would you mind changing the tone of the conversation? And that's where we can then negotiate that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I need to own my part and not blame everyone else for the work I need to do. But yes, our, Core motivations, the tendencies, the hardwiring is going to be activated. But are we going to align ourselves with the truth of the gospel? Are we going to be misaligned where we're in our own strength, or are we going to be completely out of line with the truth of gospel where we're kind of living as an orphan, alone in life? Mm-hmm. The ideal is to go no. I am Christ's beloved child and that's when our heart is aligned and we can allow him to work in and through us even though it's still hard growth is so 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 hard hard. so hard yeah um and so to recognize yeah growth isn't about oh I finally arrived Mm -hmm. it's actually really hard yeah but it's good and we won't ever really arrive no yeah well heaven right till we see Jesus
0: (laughs) Uh, I want to tell you about one of Aaron's biggest fights yes and I want to ask you a question about parenting In the Enneagram. Um, This was two years ago. Every Christmas day, we go see Elf at Alamo Drafthouse Theater, which is a um, a movie theater where you eat. Yeah. And they show Elf. And it's just, we've been doing this for seven years. It sounds so fun. We go at night. We have dinner. It's a quote-along. Now, do they have spaghetti with? Yeah. Well, they do offer that, but they also have like a contest. With the syrup? My son played. He got entered in the contest this year, and he had to do it. So it's a quote-along. So it's just really fun. They give you... um, I was going to say the word crap. What are like props? They give you props. Yeah. So, and they give you balloons. You blow them up during the bubble scene when they're singing. Yeah. When she's yeah. in the shower. Anyhow, we've been doing this for seven years and two years ago we were leaving and everyone in the theater, including my children started popping the balloons. And I have struggled with theaters for a while. i mm-hmm. you know, feeling afraid. Yeah. Just because of things that have happened in our world, sure. it yeah. can trigger me and I can be super scared and I fight it a lot. I mean, Years ago, I left a movie theater in the middle because i I got so anxious, yeah. so I start yelling at my kids to stop mm-hmm. popping the balloons because I feel like yes. I am about to I'm so anxious yes. and Aaron got so mad at me and we got a fight and I tried to explain to him like i I could not handle the situation I'm going to explode and he was like, you overreacted with the children and we got in this huge fight yeah. and looking back, we both brought things to the table yeah, you know right. I wasn't handling my anxiety well he wasn't. Well, I don't want to say what it you know it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it was in that moment too that I realized we're both interpreting the situation through completely different lenses. Absolutely, and there became a fight. Absolutely, and we could talk about it now, and we both know what we brought to the table and how it was hard and all the things. But that is an example of just seeing things differently, Mm -hmm. and. I think I could have handled it differently Oh, two well, years later. I'm sure I could have. But
1: Yeah, and, and that's where it's actually really helpful is if we can kind of look back on situations and think through what happened, mm-hmm. what activated the core motivations, what was activated in that moment. Well, your core fears were totally being activated. You were in your core weakness, which is anxiety. Now, all types can be anxious, but for the sixes, it's that inner committee that is chiming in from all directions. I mean... Literally, your inner committee was telling you all the things that have happened in other theaters and what could happen, but then you're being assaulted by all the noises that are similar. It was... And so it totally makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, we're, like we're talking about right now, but yeah. I can see where your husband's like, what in the world? Chill out. You know? It's Christmas Day. Let right. the kids pop balloons. Like, Everyone is else is... Yeah, it's right.
0: fun. I'm like, this isn't fun. I'm yeah. about to have
1: a panic attack. So this is where, you know, we can kind of come along. Like, it's almost even best to even talk about it afterwards uh-huh. when... Everything is settled, you know, in our hearts and we're not kind of in that activated moment and say, here's how I saw it from a sixth perspective. Yeah. And I totally know you didn't see it that way. You didn't experience that way. And you probably don't even kind of quote unquote get it. Like, no, I know. Logically get it. But what I really needed was for you to come alongside. And maybe he could have just said, can you go outside yeah. and take a break and yes. breathe? I've got the kids. Yes. You know, or you would have told him. I, I, I wish,
0: looking back, I wish I would have regulated myself right. to say, I have to get out of here.
1: And that's where you guys can talk about it now and say, hey, this is probably what we could have done yeah. or this is what I needed. Yeah. I just didn't know that I needed to express it. I didn't at that know. Month.
0: Yeah, and so we learned. I always look back at that and say it was a really good learning even though it was a really awful fight because yeah. then I was angry at him for not caring about me and blah, 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 blah. Right. All the things that happen in fights. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, that was a moment when I think I could have left yeah. to help myself. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, that's one of our big fights that we just told the whole world about. Yeah. Uh, question for you. Yeah. Uh, first of all, There are people listening, and we've talked a lot about six and nines in this conversation, and threes, because that's who's in the room. Um, But can you run quickly through the numbers? I don't know how you'd want to do it.
1: Core fear, core longing? Yeah, I mean, I can kind of, I'll just go through the core fear, the core desire. Okay, do that, because people are listening. We still want them. You need to do the
0: research. We'll give you the webpage for go to look at your page and everything. And I would encourage you to go take the quiz,
1: buy the books, read the things, like spend the time. Yep. But let's just run through them real quick, yeah. So the core motivations, and again, are the core fear, desire, weakness, and longing. You can go to uranagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations, and it's a free PDF with all of them. So since I'm not going to go through all four of those for each type, right. that's where they can see all. Okay, of good. The book. We'll link it to it yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. So the type one is the moral perfectionist. They fear being wrong not having integrity, unredeemable, bad, evil, corruptible. They desire to be balanced, virtuous, and right. So it's all about ethics and morals. Now, a lot of types can go, oh, that's me. It's like, well, they have that one loud inner critic that assaults them with all the imperfections of the world. And they are compelled to do what is right. The type two is a supportive advisor. And the supportive advisor fears being rejected, unwanted, unneeded, dispensable, disposable, And they are desiring to be wanted, loved, and appreciated. And so they're really looking for, they're going to serve people. They know their people's emotions and feelings. And they are hoping that others will see what they've done and go, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You're You're so so thoughtful. Um, Now, the type threes are successful achievers. And they fear being inefficient, incapable, unvaluable, a failure, and they desire to be Capable, competent, efficient, successful, and like just the most admired person in the room. Um, And they can kind of shape shift into whatever needs to be the most successful in in any given moment with any given person. They're like the, uh, what do you call them, the chameleon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they're doing, so they're doing it more for image Mm -hmm. because there are some type threes, especially let's say like Christians, they're like, but I want to do what's good. So maybe I'm a one. For the threes, it could be true, but it's still about their image. Ones, it's not about their image. Mm -hmm. Um, The type fours, they fear being um, emotionally cut off, mundane, defective, flawed, um, and not being their most authentic self. So they fear they have to put on a persona or be something different. So what they're desiring is to be true to themselves, to express their emotions, to have depth, to... um, and to express themselves in the most unique and special way. And so for them, they do feel like there's something defective and flawed and that others possess qualities that they lack, and so they're really wanting to present to the world this unique, special quality that they have. Now, the type fives are the investigative thinker, and they fear being annihilated, incapable, incompetent, um, and experience catastrophic depletion of their inner resources. And so what they're really desiring is to be knowledgeable, knowledgeable, insightful capable and competent so the biggest thing i want people to hear about fives is it's like they're like a cell phone that's been plugged in all night And when they unplug for the day, they still only have about 20 to 25 percent internal battery life. So like relational battery life for the entire day. So they have to ration it out. So those that are extroverts or even introverts, they're like they might intrude on their space or surprise them or put obligations on them. And that's like streaming live from their phone and sucking the battery right out. They just can't handle it. They can't handle it. it. And so a lot of people will feel this kind of boundaries being put up and they're like what in the world um but if we understand how the fives function with this internal battery life then we can ask hey how are you doing do you need to plug mm-hmm. in do you need some time alone and that can be really helpful uh, the type sixes are the loyal guardian and which you know yeah. um they fear being without guidance security and support blamed targeted and abandoned they desire for that security guidance and support um, and so really the biggest thing to understand about them is that inner committee that is chiming in from all different directions, which causes chaos and confusion inside them. Um, and then our type sevens are the entertaining optimist. They fear being, uh, emotionally, um, like having, having to focus on their emotions and they fear being bored, uh, missing out on something fun, being limited, deprived, And so they're looking and desiring for being fully satisfied and content and happy. And so you're going to see the sevens just going from next thing to next thing because they're really trying to fill up this kind of empty bucket inside. But what they don't realize is there's holes at the bottom. And So they're like, why is this, you know, empty? So they're looking and striving to fill that up with stimulation and fun. Now, our eights are the protective challengers, and they fear being harmed, manipulated, controlled challenged and definitely left at the mercy of injustice and they desire to protect themselves and those in their small inner circle and i call them snow plows like the big diesel, not like anything down here in austin no this is up north yeah the big diesel snow plows and they will plow a path for you when they're healthy and it is amazing but they can also sometimes unknowingly and sometimes knowingly uh nick people or plow over, plow over you I was gonna yeah. say, or plow right over you but really the heart of a, of an eight is to plow a path yeah. for others mm-hmm. and they're oh they're so amazing and martin luther king jr would yeah. be a great example yeah. um and then last but not least my type is the type nine we fear um, any kind of tension conflict um discord with others and what we really want is peace and harmony and inner stability yeah
0: okay if, if people's heads are spinning like okay where am i where Fire am hose. i again go <laughs>
1: go explore and and you know i've had many, plenty of friends who it's taken them months if oh. not years to figure out well what they jeff are. my husband he mistyped himself for many years my mom is a. Type this of, is my fear that i'm gonna mistype myself well my mom is a six and when i was reading it at the very first i could clearly see that jeff was a six i'm like i really think you're a six and then i was like my, my mom is a six and she, he's like I am not like your mom. Because my mom is a type of six that's, even though they all have anxiety, she shows her anxiety, which is the phobic six. Mm -hmm. And then Jeff is the other spectrum of the counterphobic six. Like they feel the fear, but they're like, oh no, I'm moving into it. I'm going to go for it. Mm -hmm. So people can think of them as eights, which is what he thought he was. He thought he was an eight. But underneath it is still that inner committee that is causing chaos and confusion and self-doubt. Um, but out, outward, he looks decisive. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? There's so much to learn, because even like we don't have time, but we could get into
0: like wings and stances, and yes. I don't understand a thing about stances. That's like the next thing that I want to learn, and I don't understand it. Yeah. I am like, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out my wing as well, which is,
1: yeah. Well,
0: and here's the thing. There are,
1: I mean, I love to geek out on it, but what Jeff and I have seen, especially when we created the 45 courses for marriage, if you would just focus on your core motivations and to really dive deep into that, because when you are activated, whether personally or with another person, you're going to be activated in those core motivations. And if you can focus on that and focus on your heart condition in the moment, and see what's going on, you can change the trajectory of yourself, but also your relationships from a misaligned dance to an aligned dance, just by focusing on those four aspects. Without having to worry about all the other stuff. Without having, I mean, now That's other all stuff, great for yeah, sure. It's super great, super yeah. helpful. But if you'll just start, it's kind of like, okay, I'm from Kansas City uh-huh. and they just go won. Chiefs, it. Yes, to go Chiefs, They just won. Uh-huh. But when they go out to practice before the Super Bowl, they're not doing all the hard tricks and plays. They're they're focusing on the fundamentals because mm-hmm. it's at the fundamentals that everything else comes from. Yeah. And so that's why I want people to focus. Okay, just focus on those core motivations first and foremost, and then build upon it. You don't have to know all of those other things if you don't understand why you do it you do. I love
0: that football reference you just brought to the table, Beth. Yes, especially the Chiefs, right? I know, right? <laughs> After 50 uh, years. I know, I know. <laughs> you quarterback is so cute. Yeah. just, just want to have him over great. dinner and be like, come over here a little Maybe boy. Maybe he'll do your show. I know. He just seems so kind yeah. and, and his mom seems so kind. He just seems like such a good kid. Does, yeah. I call him a kid because he is a kid. I know. He's a kid good, to us, for sure. To me. Yeah, yeah
1: I know. Um, okay, so here's the, here's the question. So those courses, yes, I would find one that's for a three and a six. Yep. Yep and here's the thing if someone were to let's say kind of like you're like oh, i'm afraid i want to mistype if even if you mistype i really don't still, think i am but yeah. yeah but even if someone mistypes you're still learning a lot about yourself but yeah let's say you're like i think i'm a one uh-huh. i think he's a two you can always get our course and if it's wrong because you'll kind of get into uh-huh. it the the first couple kind of shows you what the enneagram is and yeah. a few other things if you're like wait this isn't me we'll exchange it for free oh of course you will because y'all are nice that's yeah. awesome
0: Okay, we have not that much time, but I have to ask you about parenting. Yes. I don't know who it was told me, like, and, and I would love to have your opinion on this as well, is that, that we are, at a very young age, we yes. are who we are. Yep. Okay. Erin and I have decided, even though we have pretty strong guesses on three out of four of our
1: children, yeah.
0: is that we don't want to tell them. Right. You agree? Yep. Okay, because we don't want to put anything on them yep. that might not be true. Yep. And they haven't taken it. Well, one of my kids did go online and take a test. Yeah, But as far as like parenting, I feel like this is where I focus a lot on understanding Aaron and I's yes. relationship because of who we are and our core desires and feelings. Where I think I really struggle in this work is with my children. Mm-hmm. Because I can sometimes be like, this is how it is. This is how we're going to parent. Just these are the rules. Do this. Yep. Now that wouldn't work if it was if Aaron and if I didn't work at knowing Aaron's personality, we'd have a harder marriage. Yep. And so where I struggle the most is with parenting my children, understanding their core desires and fears. Yeah.
1: Is yeah. this common? Is there something wrong oh. with me, or is this everybody? No, that's everyone. And here's the thing: like you can't type your kids. Yeah, and you, it's kind of like I also feel like this. Sorry to interrupt you. There's four of them. I'm like, <laughs> how am I supposed to do this, do this, this with, with yeah. you guys? But here's the thing: as an Enneagram coach, I don't type other people, meaning like people come to me for advice and, Uh and actually they pay me to help find their type, but I don't tell them their type because it's part of their own journey that they discover. I'll listen, I'll guide, I'll say that sounds like this, but it also sounds like this. What do you think of this? So I'm guiding, but I'm never naming because that's what they have to do. Same with kids. I thought Nate was probably a six, one or two. Um, I mean, we started using, I mean, I learned about the Enneagram when they were one and three. Yeah. So. We had it all this time, and I was like, "What is he?" You know, but we didn't name him. Uh-huh. Um, I even one time I think he was like nine or ten. He was like helping a kid. And I'm like, "Okay, did you do that because it's the right thing to do, <laughs> the helpful thing, yeah, or the loyal thing?" And he looked at me like, "Yeah," uh-huh. and I'm like, "I don't oh know." Oh my yeah. gosh, you're not helping yeah. me. But I think it was God's grace and humor to say, "Be patient." And so, first and foremost, I would say parenting with the enneagram is all about knowing why you do what you do because not them not them got it because i mean it's helpful to know yeah that there are nine types and there's nine ways of seeing the world but until you know where they're seeing it from you can kind of misparent them yeah if you if i thought nate was a one and i parent him from a one perspective he's actually a six Uh does that make sense yeah so as a nine i'm actually trying to make little angels I think everyone should be empathetic and compassionate and calm and quiet and, you know, this whole peaceful atmosphere. And I'm telling everyone they should be like this, right? Uh Now, in a sense, those are good qualities in in life. Yeah. But I'm demanding it, right? And what if I had an eight or a seven? Like, that's not how God designed them to be. Now, are there qualities that a nine has that can help them? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But so I need to realize what am I doing that is not helpful and healthy? And what can I bring to them that is helpful and healthy? And that all, again, comes back to is your heart aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel. So if you're going to use the Enneagram from parenting, the first and foremost thing is to see it through how you are acting. So, example. What am I demanding as a six? Loyalty, hard work, commitment, truth, to not lie. Oh, I hate lying so much. Yeah, I Literally, my head can explode from lying. Yeah. And that's, I mean, of course, no one, of course, lying is bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's but it will lie over the edge. A, a six because it's not being loyal, it's not being truthful. You can't trust anything you say, yeah. I can't trust you. I don't even trust you. And Who trust are is you? a huge deal. Yeah, security. Yeah. Um, whereas okay. for me as a nine, it's about being kind and empathetic and thoughtful. I mean, if I see my kid being disrespectful to another kid or an adult or not being um, mindful and helpful, I'm like, that just riles me up i'm like that's so rude that's so mean you know so i'm seeing through my own lens so as a six or as a nine when i am under stress i will move to the average the unhealthy quality so six which is this where the lines connect and it's a whole other layer and it's a whole other layer but what i realized is when i was late getting to an airport with the family in the car i was irritable testy thinking of worst case scenarios how long it was going to take what's going on and so i was acting this out not not at them but they were having to experience it and that's when the rumble strip came up and i was like oh wait i can totally see why You're like, I'm, I'm doing off this here. Yeah. i'm off and i told them i am so sorry i can totally see what's going on i now know why i apologize. i go i don't know if i can stop it since we're not at the airport yet but i'm going to pray and ask the lord yeah. to help me but what that did was that i owned my stuff mm-hmm. i didn't put it on them that doesn't mean i can't ask them for help or you know consideration and stuff like that but i own my own stuff yeah. and that was helpful for them to go okay, mom, mom sees her stuff. It's not my fault. Because a lot of kids are going to blame themselves, even if it's their parents' stuff. Yeah. And so what I would say first and foremost is do your own work and parent from a healthy perspective. But then you can eliminate some types that you're like pretty sure your kid isn't. I would still hold it loosely. Mm-hmm. But then hold probably three or four numbers loosely that you think they are until they're teenagers and they can name themselves. Now, it depends on how well they know themselves, right? right. Some 40-year-olds don't even know themselves. Uh-huh. So um, if you've been talking about just your inner world with your kids more openly, then they'll get to the place where they'll do it themselves. Um, But if you haven't, then they might not know why they do what they do. So what numbers are your children? Six and a two, which is interesting. So Jeff is a six and Nate's a six. Uh And it's almost like I'm watching Uh my husband 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. But we have a really good story with that. So Jeff... So Nate came to him before he was going off to college like, Dad, I want to like, actually to both of us, I I think I want to do a side job, a side hustle of photography because he had the skill to do, you know, little little things for, you know, because kids these days, they'll like pay like, $50 $50 for Instagram. Photos. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So we're like, I'm thinking, yeah, knock yeah. it out of the park. Well, Jeff being a good six and a helpful father, he's telling him all the reasons why this isn't going to work yeah. or what could go wrong. Yeah, But he feels like he's instilling good wisdom. Uh-huh. Well, Nate's already a six. He's already. We've already been through all those. The worst case scenarios. And he was like, dad, I don't want to have to tell you this, but you're kind of squashing my fears. Uh-huh. And I already was thinking all these. And that really was hard for Jeff to hear, but he totally saw it and yeah. owned it and said, Nate, I'm so sorry. My heart was to help, yeah. but I can see how adding my six to your six was really hard. That's crazy. And so then they can talk yeah. about it. Yeah. But that's where being open and honest and, and owning your own stuff yeah. and coming under the submission of Christ. Yeah. Knowing we're already set free. We can come together in a totally different trajectory yeah. than what I was just trying to help. Uh-huh. You know, like, yeah, I'm still all upset. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. um, tell me if you think this is odd. Um, I Si- I only have one sibling. Yeah. So it's just my brother and I, and we're both the same number.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's common, but okay. it's not. I mean, like, I know. We're like, I can't believe it. Yeah. It's not. I mean, like, so Jeff um, and Nate, though they're the same type, there's so many layers in diagram, mm-hmm. they're different subtypes. Um, we won't even
0: go there. Um, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But
1: so they have enough differences that they have the same core motivations. And similar operations, but they're still different. Yeah. And here's the thing. Even if you're the same of two numbers, you have different life stories, different backgrounds, traumas, excitement, everything. So you're still unique. Yeah. But this gives a framework of why you do what you do. Thank you so much. I mean, this
0: is just, it's such, I love talking about this because I've Mm. seen the benefits as a tool in my life. Like we've said a thousand times, the gospel is what changes us, but this is a tool. I like your illustration. And so thanks for the work that you guys are doing in this space. It's really needed. It's really helpful. And um, I'm excited about all the relationships that are going to grow and deepen because of the work that you guys are doing. Oh, thanks. Um, And I'm going to get me some journals for Erin and I. We're going to have a family meeting. We're going to go through our journals. Okay. But I do ask everyone at the end, what are you loving? What are you reading?
1: Okay. What I'm loving, what I'm reading. What I'm loving, actually, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm listening to Bruno Major. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have not. I just love his music. I just, there's something about it that feels very nine-ish, but also moody. I don't know. I just really enjoy Uh it. But what I'm reading is um, The Soul of Shame. By Kurt Thompson. Yep, and I have it and haven't read it. Yes, I was listening to audio, and now I was walking. I'm like, "This is so good. I need to sit I and need to actually my read eyes, it. yeah, yeah, yeah." So now I've got the book, and I'm going to start underlining. And I, it was my husband's book, and every time I get a hold of the book, I'm like, "I'm sorry, you're going to have to get another I one." I need it back because yeah. I like underline yeah. so much, yeah. and it drives him crazy. But yeah. I'm like, "I'm ah, sorry," uh huh. But no, it's a really good book. Yeah, The Soul of Shame.
0: Have you listened to the Enneagram songs by um, Oh?
1: Yes, Ryan O'Neill. He actually forward the Type Nine book for me. Aww, yeah. So sleeping at last for everyone. Yes. last.
0: Ryan O'Neill. Yeah, yeah,
1: his music. When I first started listening, I think it was, I think it was the Type One song because that, that was the first one that came out. But when I listened to it, I was like, he has got to be a nine. And the reason why I say that is because nines can see through the lens of all nine That's types. What I've Heard. And when I heard him, I could just hear that he literally embodied huh. each of the types. Yeah, and he did such a. Perfect masterful job. It was really good, really good job. And so then it. when he got to eight, because I'm a strong eight-wing, I bawled I mean, ugly ball. And then I got to nine, I was really afraid of nine. So I had to like listen to these with no one around. But I got to nine. I think it's actually in my highlights. Bald. I mean, it was it's he just does a masterful job. Yeah, so yeah, if you're gonna listen to sleeping at last Enneagram songs, I recommend you do it alone first. Get,
0: get with it and do it alone. <laughs> Beth, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks uh, for having Seriously, me. fan of y'all's work. Proud of what you're doing. And thanks. I love it. Thank you. Friends, thank you for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Beth. I know we talked a lot about sixes and threes and nines. But if you are intrigued at all about how you might see the world through your specific personality lens and also how this might affect your marriage, I highly recommend you check out Beth's book, Becoming Us, using the Enneagram to create thriving gospel-centered marriage. Also, check out the Enneagram journals that we talked about that go through each specific number. If you're new to this Enneagram conversation, I suggest you start with the book, The Road Back to You by Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron. And if you wanna listen to more Enneagram talk, go back to episode number 205, where I interview Suzanne Stabile. It's still one of my favorite interviews ever and an interview where I can say, I was actually nervous before I sat down with her. If you're an Enneagram 6 like me, or you know someone that is, or you just want to hear an interview with Suzanne and I, be sure and find me over on Suzanne's podcast called The Enneagram Journey on episodes number 42 and 43. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers. The whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my friend Lisa Whittle joins me on the happy hour. Lisa was a guest on the show in 2017, happy hour number 161, and I highly recommend listening to that episode ahead of time to learn a bit of Lisa's story before next week. Lisa is a gifted writer, one of my favorite writers, and we discuss the importance of her newest book, Jesus Over Everything. Lisa shares that in a culture that carries the confusion of overindulgence, endless options, and influencer voices— The Jesus first life clears our minds and hearts of noise so our souls can find true meaning and rest. I truly loved our conversation and we tackled some hard thoughts about what it actually looks like in our culture, in our day and age, to put Jesus first over everything. Friends, enjoy the week. I hope that no matter what your days look like right now, and I'm confident they look different than they did a month ago. I hope that you can find glimpses of sunshine. I hope you can see joy in the midst of chaos. I hope that you can see blessings abounding from the Father, even when things look different. Guys, share the show with a girlfriend. Have a virtual happy hour with a friend. I'll see you next week with my friend, Lisa Whittle.